Hey, I want to say on behalf of Pastor and Don, they say that they love you and they want me to tell you that they miss you. And Pastor said, tell them I woke up thinking about them today. So wow, man, you guys, uh, he must love you guys a lot. Um, Wow, that's pretty impressive. I wake up thinking about food on most mornings. (laughs) I guess I'm, I'm so much more carnal than he is. And that's why I'm the executive pastor, not the lead pastor of this church. Uh, He'll be back in a couple weeks as they're out on vacation. Uh, Continue to pray for them, that God will refresh them and uh, just rejuvenate them. Hey, we are in a series that we started last week called God Is. And, And if we had a big win for this series, at the end of this series, here's what a heart is is that you would see God a little more clearly um, at the end of this journey. Think of the uh, series of this title as an incomplete statement that must be defined by you. God is. God is what? What is he to you? What is he for you? And God is for you um, so many amazing things, and that's what uh, our journey throughout this series is all about. Hey, listen, on the seat next to you, there's something that we're calling a 30-day declaration card. Um, We started a uh, declaration challenge last week, and uh, that declaration challenge is simply this, that you would take a little bit of time every day, and out of your mouth, out of your heart, just declare God for who he is for you. And uh, hopefully, as we go through these weeks, God will reveal more of himself to you, so your declaration of who he is will begin to change, because your definition of who he is begins to change, and, and how you see him begins to change. So uh, we gave you a little aid, uh, an assistant, to help you uh, declare who God is in the morning. So take a picture of that. If you're like me, I don't want to carry this around. So I take a picture of it and just leave it on my phone and use it. Uh, for those of you who um, do the, the, bi- the paper Bible thing, I can't even believe I'm saying that. But if you actually read out of a real Bible, um, stick this in your Bible. Uh, for the rest of you guys who use technology, just take a picture of this, okay? Awesome. Uh, now that that's out of the way, would you guys stand as we read God's Word this morning? Um, while you're standing, uh, you can take your phone and, uh, or your Bible and turn it to two passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and the second one is John chapter 17. Um, by the way, while you guys are flipping there and turning the pages there and finding it on your phone and And we tell you to do all that, and then we have it on the screen for you. So we just want to make sure it's everywhere. The word is slapping you all over the place. Um, While you're turning there, if you guys missed last week, I want to encourage you to take some time. uh, Go online. Listen to last week's message. Uh, I think it's important that this whole house, this church, that we are uh, in the journey together. And uh, when we're hearing God's word, uh, we're all in the same place at the same time. There's such a special unity in the house. If you're going to be out of town the next couple weeks... Um, We do live streaming, so feel free to listen online um, at the audio. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We talked about this last week, so I'm not going to completely break it down, but our theme scripture for this series says this. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why have we received the spirit who is from God? By the way, those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ... Have we have received that spirit? If you haven't had a relationship or have not come to know him as your savior, we'll give you an opportunity for that today. Um, here's the reason why so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. God wants to reveal himself to us. 
God's not playing peekaboo with you. He's not trying to hide from you. As a matter of fact, when you come into a relationship with him, he just wants to remove the veil so that you can understand freely everything that he's given to you. Our text for today, John chapter 17, starting at verse 20, says this. This is Jesus praying. He says, my prayer for them alone, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who, who is those? That's you and I. Jesus is saying, I pray for those who are going to believe in me through their message. Their message was the disciples. As they spread this message, here's what his prayer is, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, we thank you for a wonderful word. God, I pray today that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. God, I pray that those who have, a, have not experienced you as their Lord and Savior, God, as they hear the message of the gospel preached today, God, that their faith, God, would just be delivered to them, and God, uh, the veil would be lifted from their eyes, and they would see you and all your goodness. God, I pray as a church, God, that we would begin to understand that you are amazing, more than we can ever imagine, think, or hope. But the beautiful thing is, God, we have a capacity, and it's much greater than we think it is. And God, you want us to understand and freely see you, and we love you in your awesome name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Hey, this scripture is packed with some good stuff, with some amazing, amazing things. By the way, um, the first service last week got something that you didn't get. They got the takeaway. Um, I will give you the takeaway from last week's message if you were here and you still have your notes and you're kind of going, Sean, where is that takeaway? I'm going to give it to you. But just in case I forget today's takeaway, we're starting off with the takeaway today. So you got your notes in your hands. Speed all the way to the bottom. You all ready for this? God has healed me. Say, God has healed me. And sanctified me. I am whole and holy because God is. Hey, we're going to just unpack this. And, dis- and discover who God is for us. Well, the Bible says in verse 21 of our text today, may they also be in us as we are one. I want you to think about this. How unified is the Father and the Son? Pretty unified, wouldn't you say? How unified is the Father and the Son? Do you agree that because of the unity in the Father and the Son, that the Son has access to everything that is in the Father. Do you believe that? It's his word. If we believe that, we must also believe everything that this scripture says about you and I. Because the Son gets to partake in everything that the Father has. It's so amazing. In this scripture, Jesus is literally saying, now, because the Father and I have this incredible oneness and this incredible unity, you also get to have the same oneness with me that I enjoy with the Father. Holy moly. I never even thought that holy moly went in a a sermon, but holy moly. I mean, our brains can't even fathom that. 
Jesus actually said this. He said, you have so much oneness with me, as a matter of fact, he says this, I have given them, you, the glory that you gave me. Jesus declares, there is so much oneness between you and the body of Christ. Jesus said, the glory that the Father gave me, they get to partake in that. Let's talk a little bit about that today. In your notes, God is. That's what this series is all about. What is he? Who is he? He's good. And everything that he has, because everything that's in the sun and because of your oneness with him has been dumped down and poured down on you. We receive an inheritance of every provision we will ever need through oneness with the Son. We receive an inheritance of every provision we will ever need that is in the Father because of our oneness with the Son. I want you to think about and notice a few things about an inheritance for a minute. I got this crazy old picture. Um, anybody ever watched DuckTales? Woohoo! talked about it a little bit last week. There's this picture of, of the, 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 uh, the godfather duck, and he is just, he's so, uh, he, he so aimed on gold and riches, and, and he, he's just, he's looking for the big pot of gold, and, and there's these just pictures and images of him just jumping off these diving boards, and there's these huge, endless chasms of gold and treasures, and he's just like, yahoo, cannonball, just having a field day. When you come into oneness with God, it is like this, the windows of heaven opening up and everything that God has is now available to you through his inheritance, everything. The only thing that limits us, we talked about it last week, go back and listen to it again, is our sight. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Is very powerful. Notice four things about an inheritance. You receive an inheritance you receive it out of a relationship. You receive it out of a relationship. We said it a minute ago, those of you who have entered a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have now received a relationship with him. You guys understand this. Uh, when somebody dies, they pass on something that's called a living will. In other words, they go, hey, everything that I've spent my entire life working for, now you get it. Oh, happy day. Don't you love that? You didn't have to work for it, but out of relationship with this person, boom, it's dumped down to you. Inheritance, a lot of times, is given down to uh, sons and daughters, and if there's no sons and daughters, it's given down to extended family, and, and then if there's just extra beloved people in their life, people pass down their inheritance to them. Listen, you have received an inheritance that is passed down to you by God's living will. Take full advantage of the inheritance that you've received, church. Take full advantage of this inheritance. You receive this inheritance next. You received it out of grace. In other words, you did nothing to pay for it. One of my favorite definitions of grace is this. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. That's what's so powerful about grace. There's nothing you can do to receive grace. You can't be good enough to receive this incredible gift of grace. Listen, this inheritance was passed down to you simply because of the grace of God. When you receive somebody's inheritance on this earth, it's because the person that owns all the stuff, out of the grace in their heart, they go, you know what? Everything that I've spent my life work on, out of my love in my heart for my kids, 
I'm going to give it to them because of my relationship with them. Next, when it comes to talking about an inheritance, you will discover it all in time. You will discover it all in time. Listen, inheritances, they, they are so powerful. Um, have you ever had anybody in your life pass and you had to go clean their house? It's like one of the most difficult parts of people passing is the cleaning up of the home. Um, I heard a story of a, a young lady uh, pretty recently that um, her father had passed and she went to clean the home and the home was packed of stuff. And she would go from one room to the next, finding just treasures all over the place, things that she didn't even know what they were for, and she didn't even know he had them, but they were in the room, and they were hidden away, and some of them had real special use, and some stuff she knew how to take and immediately use, and other things she would take, and she didn't know what to do with them. Are you still stuck in the first room of the father's house, just taking a look at his inheritance? as you haven't wandered into other rooms and seen the other treasures that he has given you through his incredible inheritance. It's beautiful. It's it's amazing. Go discover who he is. Figure it out. Listen, you will spend a lifetime discovering the treasures the Lord has given you through this inheritance of salvation. His inheritance never runs out, and there's always more. Next, you will develop the maturity for it. Inheritance. Have you ever heard or seen anybody squander an inheritance before? Have you ever heard of people winning the lottery? They, they made their big break that they've been waiting to make their whole life, only uh, years later to find out that they didn't have maturity for that inheritance and they squandered it all away. The truth is that when we receive God's inheritance, we don't have the maturity yet to manage it or to steward all the good things that he's given us. We don't. We will spend a lifetime becoming mature and developing a maturity to handle the inheritance that he's given us. Because there are treasures in the Father's house that you don't have the maturity to use yet. There are hobbies that he has that you don't know anything about. But when you develop the maturity, you begin to understand. You will find things in his house and you will go, what in the world is this? I don't know. It was special to him. I'll stick it on my shelf. (laughs) Wow. People people come in your office and your home. Wow. What is that? I don't know. It was my dad's. (sighs) I have no idea. It was my dad's. When you take time to say, Dad, what is that about, Father? That inheritance that you gave me, you take that off the shelf. You say, Father, what is this for? I want to know what you're about. Your hobbies, I want them to be my hobbies. The things that your heart and your eyes wander towards, let my heart and let my eyes wander towards them. God's into things that we know nothing about, but when we spend time And we begin to ask the Father, Father, I see this inheritance. All of a sudden, when you begin to develop the maturity for the inheritance that God gives you, all of a sudden you go, wow, I had no idea. How amazing is this? This little thing can do all that? I thought it was just to sit on my shelf and make my house look nice. It actually had nothing to do with me. 
And you gave me so much of that thing, I thought it was all for me, but wow, now I see your heart for that thing. This is what I'm supposed to do with that thing that you gave me. I'm supposed to give it away. I'm supposed to pass it down. What an amazing inheritance God has given you through a relationship with him. God is, what is he? I don't know. Walk through the rooms of the Father's house. Begin to discover all the good stuff that he's given you. A couple questions for us. How much of his inheritance have you taken advantage of? I ask myself that same question. Sean, how much of God's inheritance have I taken advantage of? Am I discovering the hidden treasures in the Father's rooms? Have I ventured out into other places, or am I just still stuck at the entryway? Am I taking time to understand the heart of the Father and the treasures of the Father so that I could be a good steward of what he gave me? By the way, you will one day pass down the inheritance that's been given to you. What are you going to have to pass down when the inheritance is time to deliver? Is it going to be more than what was given to you? Or is it going to be less than what was given to you? Wow. Is my daughter going to get more of God than I ever had because I have a rich inheritance as a father now? Or am I going to wander off of the path that the Lord has for me and squander my knowledge and squander the Father's heart and not tell her about the things that the Father's into? Am I going to squander everything that's been given to me? And then at the end of my life, I have just like a little bit of religion. Make sure you go to church, sweetie. Is that the inheritance that I'm going to pass on to her? Or am I going to develop a maturity for what the Lord has brought to me? Am I going to steward it? Am I going to multiply it? And that when it's my turn to pass down the inheritance, because the inheritance is not mine, I'm a temporary manager of it. I pass it down to her. We've laid a really strong foundation last week and this morning. Let's kind of get to some of the meat of this. You can't get the meat of this unless you really have a strong foundation and understand that God wants to reveal, freely reveal himself to you and I. Well, where do we go to take a look at this inheritance? What are these treasures all about? Well, his inheritance is revealed to us in his name. His inheritance is revealed to us in his name. In the Bible, God has many different names. These names are simply expressions of who God really is. Let's take a look at couple, a couple of those names. Why? Because the inheritance that you and I have is revealed in the name of God. Holy moly. Number one, God is our healer. Listen, because of our inheritance, one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha. What does that mean? It means this. The Lord that heals. The Lord that heals. God told the Israelites in Exodus 15 and 26. He said this, for I am the Lord who heals you. Done. That's how he heals. 
Listen, Psalms 107, verse 20. Here's actually how he heals. The Bible says this. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Check that out. He sent out his word. Who's his word? Jesus. He sent out his word, Jesus, by his stripes we're healed. And he did what to them? He healed them. And he rescued them. Doesn't that sound like salvation? He rescued them from where? The grave. Not just physical death. He rescued us from spiritual death. Listen. God is our healer. Did you know that today? God is our healer. He's into healing us in a couple places. Listen, once you were dead, now you're alive. Why? Because of oneness through salvation, you immediately touch the source of healing. You cannot be healed when you begin oneness with the Father. You're healed because that's who he is. That's what he does. He is a healer. There's constant healing power flowing from the body. So the minute you touch him, you begin to inherit healing from the Father. The Bible says this. This is really fun. What did I do? Oh, okay. I'll be back. Okay. Oh, it is dangerous back here. Okay, okay. I just, I just want you to imagine, I'm a terrible artist, by the way, and I can't spell very good, so, you know, have fun, everybody. I know God's not a circle, all right? But let's just pretend God the Father's a circle, and everything that he has in store for you and I, when we become one with him, We partake everything, everything, everything that is in him. The Bible actually says this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. It said, for we are all baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. At salvation, you know when we do water baptism, it's like an outward evidence of what took place inward. That's what water baptism is. Water baptism is saying this. You were out here dead all by yourself. When you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, everything that was in the Father through baptism, you are all now baptized into one body, and now we share one spirit. What in the world? This is sci-fi. This stuff is on the sci-fi channel. I mean, this is absolutely crazy when you really think about it. We're baptized into one body. Listen, Baptism into the body gives us access to everything in the body. Your inheritance. That's why you can say, I was poor and now I'm rich. I was weak and now I'm strong. I was dead and now I'm alive. Because of your inheritance. Healing is for a couple things in your notes. Healing is for physical use. Where? Healing is for physical use, obviously, in the physical body. Listen, we will experience pain and suffering while we're on this earth in the body. Why? Because everything about this earth, death has taken place because of what happened in the garden. Death is, is, is happening. You can't stop it. Listen, the death rate for, for humanity is 100%. We will all die. It just will happen. But check this out. Because healing is in the body, 
God gave healing to the local church because he knew that we were going to need some healing while we're here on earth. And he brings this healing and delivers it to us through something called the gift of healing. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but the Bible actually says, now to each one, which means each person in the body, each one is given the manifestation to the Spirit. That word manifestation just simply means an expression. It's an expression of who God is, right? So each one of us in the church who is in this body, we've all been given different gifts that are expressive gifts of God. In other words, one of those gifts the Bible talks about is the gift of healing. So, Sean, why do you say God is? Well, because God is a healer. It's actually in his name. And we also see that in the Bible, one of the great gifts that he gave to the local church, because we are part of the body, is the gift of healing, So what are you saying, Sean? Well, I'm saying that anytime there's an opportunity for somebody to experience physical healing in the body, we ought to pray. We don't ever know what the Father is up to. I mean, he can show us. That's what this series is all about. We could see God. We can understand him. But I think that we must caution ourselves here because a lot of times people, man, they try to put formulas together to try to discover how God is going to plan to operate. One of these formulas that people find when it comes to healing is they often say, because there's a pattern that we biblically see, that oftentimes faith and belief proceed. They come before healing, and that is very true. But that's not always true. And we must be careful that when somebody on this earth doesn't receive physical healing, we don't go back and attribute to those two things. Why? Because faith... And belief, what you're trying to do is you're trying to put the power of God all in the hands of a person's ability to believe and a person's ability to have faith. That means you would strip God of his miraculous grace and you would reduce his healing power to a person. And that's not how he operates. He operates through the body whenever he wants however he wants. We actually see um, also that um, in the New Testament, the believers of that day were kind of struggling with this. One of the other things that they were struggling with is that this person's not receiving healing because they have sin in their life. I've actually heard people in my lifetime on this earth say they didn't get healing because they got sin. Okay, well, the Bible says in John 9, verse 1, as he went, Jesus, as, as this, there was a man, there's a blind man. As this blind man went along his life, he was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, well, actually, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened, listen, the blind man, the blind, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Healing is about the work of God. Healing is about God displaying himself and getting glory out of people. See, when we're focused on the person, on why they did or didn't get healed, our eyes are on the person. They're not on the provider. We've got to lift our eyes off of people and put our eyes on the provider. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not now. Why? Because my ways are not your ways. My time is not your time. However, we must understand that full deliverance from physical suffering in the body, we will be fully delivered the day that we go to heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, it says, for we all know when we are in this earthly tent, um, sorry, it says, for we know that when this earthly tent we will live is taken down, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God, not by human hands. Listen, the Bible says that we're in a tent right now. 
That's what our flesh is. It's just a tent. It's, it's a human body. But we will be delivered one day from this physical body that's dying, and we will have a heavenly body. God is not just our physical healer, but he's our spiritual healer. Listen, uh, John 3.16. We know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, and who will perish, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting what? Life. What is that an attribute to? What is everlasting life all about? Isn't that about spiritual life? Not only is healing for physical use, but it's for spiritual use. Okay. I should have got an assistant today. They would have made this a whole lot prettier for me, and um, it would have been fun. Spiritual healing is all about the healing of your spirit and your soul. God came to make dead people alive, did he not? That's what John 3.16 is all about. Listen, we've got to begin to understand that healing not just comes physically, but it's also about spiritual. Okay. Now, I am not um, a psychologist, but I do like to read Christian psychology stuff sometimes. And um, what I like about it is that there are times that it kind of gives me mental pictures. Uh, told you I can't spill. We get on that spirit, soul, body. Sometimes it gives us a mental picture of what God is doing in us that we just can't see with the physical eyes. One of the things that we've got to understand is that our soul and our spirit, this is the eternal us. This is us that lives on with God the Father in heaven. Our body, this is the temporary us. Temporary, eternal. I can spell those words, but I just, for sake of time and my incredible handwriting, I just put E-T. Okay, we're not even going to go there. (laughs) But we all got to understand that we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. Our body's temporary. It's not going to heaven with us. We actually get a new one of these when we go to heaven. The Bible says we get a glorified body, and that's a whole other sermon, because we see what Jesus' glorified body is like, and the Bible says that we're going to be just like him, walking through walls, eating food. I mean, it is going to be amazing. But God is going to bring spiritual healing to you and I. But here's the thing. When your spirit is the only way that you have a relationship with God. And the Bible talks about a veil over people's eyes before they experience Jesus through salvation. So if God is spirit and everything that God does in the kingdom, sorry, happens over here, if you have a veil over your eyes before you receive Christ, you can't see anything that God the Father is doing in the kingdom. You can't. It's impossible. But The great thing is through salvation, the Bible actually says this veil is taken away. That's what we're talking about. You can't see who God is, but because of salvation, you get to see who God is. And you begin to receive spiritual healing in the eternal part of you that's going to spend the rest of your life, actually eternity, with him. The Bible says in John 17, 22b, that they may be one as we are one. How are you one with God? Well, by here, we give you a big old pick. Remember the two ugly circles earlier? That's what happens. You become one with the Father. So let's just say now this is 
the Spirit of God. Now, everything that he has is now in you, spiritually, because you received spiritual healing. Why? Because your inheritance that you get, you get a great inheritance. Why? Because God is our healer. Isn't that amazing? Listen, we're going to take communion right now. I think this is a pretty good time to take communion. Hopefully you grabbed a communion cup when you walked in. The ushers are on their way right now to bring one to you. Lift your hand really high if you didn't get one. Listen, sometimes we take communion with the piano behind us, and it's this spiritual moment. But when you really understand that your feelings, just throw the feelings out to the side. I mean, when you get a visual and a perspective that, listen, God is what? He's my healer. You got an inheritance of healing, and his healing comes through the blood. And that's a great, it's a great time to declare God as your healer right now. Would you just do that right now? God, we thank you that you are our healer. God, we don't know, we don't need music. We don't need shouting, although it's fun to shout. But God, we declare you as our healer. God, because we see that in your name, you are a healer. God, and you're into healing us spiritually and you're into healing us physically. We thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you that this communion cup, this bread and this juice represent, God, the veil being torn. And God, our eyes and our sight being open and healing being delivered to us physically and spiritually in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take the communion? This is fun. I've never talked with communion in my mouth, but I am right now. Like, you get in trouble for that. Like, don't talk with food in your mouth. I'm talking with comedian in my mouth. God, don't strike me. Communion is powerful. Why do we do it? To remember what he did for you. Not to be spiritual, not to be religious, not for religious act's sake, but we do it to remember who God is. By the way, anytime you're at home and you remember how awesome God is, go ahead, stop, take communion with your family. Doesn't have to happen in church. The Bible says do it as often as you remember. God is. God reveals his inheritance to us in his name. God is our sanctifier. This word can be a little intimidating if you are new to Christ. This word, I also think, can be mistranslated um, for people who have been seasoned believers for a long time. I think sometimes this word is very difficult for some of us to grasp, and we translate it incorrectly. So let's talk a little bit about what this word is. Listen, God is our sanctifier. Why do we say that? One of the names of God is M. Kadesh, Lord my sanctifier. What a beautiful thing sanctification is. Sometimes you think sanctification is all about you because the word sanctification means to make one holy or to make one pure and to set apart. Sometimes in religion, we start thinking like the law. We start thinking that because of what we do to separate. Whoa. Did you see the fear in my eyes? I mean, I felt it. My eyes and my heart. I'm so glad we don't do like video casting. Because we start thinking because of what we do, it sanctifies us. But actually, sanctification is in his name. Without him, you have no access to it. None. There ain't nothing you could do to sanctify yourself. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that amazing? Check this out. Listen. 
It's not what we do for Christ, but what he did in us that sanctifies us. Let's understand this word sanctify for a minute. Sanctification is a process. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. The Bible actually says this, may the God of peace sanctify you. That word means purity. It means to set apart. And actually, in the original word, it actually gives an a, a, a understanding of a process. So it's not just being set apart. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole what? Spirit, soul, body be kept what? Blameless at the coming. What keeps you blameless? Sanctification keeps you blameless. You keep you blameless? No, you can never do that. Hello. That's why Jesus came to the cross. May the God of peace, M. Kadesh, God our sanctifier, sanctify you through and through in your what? He didn't leave anything out. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. He's into making you perfectly holy, pure, and set apart. The actual word sanctification, if you know me and the, the fact that I am a great Hebrew and Greek scholar, the word is actually Hagiasmos. Now, whether that's how you say it or not, I don't know, but it is spelled H-A-G-A-H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. Hagiasmos. Listen, it has two words mixed together. One of them is set apart, the other one is process. Think about it like this. Before salvation, you were separated from God. Great, I don't have to erase it anymore because it never was. Before salvation, you were separated from God, but because he's the Lord, your sanctifier, now you are separated for God. That's what sanctification is about. You are set apart for his special purpose. Him, you didn't set yourself apart. He set you apart for his special purpose. Listen, that is the transforming power of our sanctifier. So now you can start saying, man, God, he is my healer. I thank you, God, that your healing power flows through me through salvation, and I am made right with you through your healing. God, I thank you that your healing power flows through me physically, and God, I thank you that you are my sanctifier because I can never set myself apart and make myself holy. You did it for me. I declare you as my sanctifier. You sanctified me. You made me right, and there's nothing I can do about it. You are good. Gonna make you want to sing that song. You are good. Bam, you're good. Bam. Oh, I mean, he's our sanctifier. Check this out. Because God is spirit, and because we understand by the scriptures we read earlier, we have one spirit when we enter into the body of Christ. Your spirit is perfectly blameless with the Lord. The thing that is very difficult to believers to understand today is that the Bible actually says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We change day by day because of the word of God. And the Bible actually says that there is a tug of war between the flesh and between the spirit. In Romans, actually, it says that um, that there... Sorry, I can't write and spell and talk all at the same time. But there's a, stru- a tug of war that is constantly, the Bible says, going on between the flesh and the spirit. 
that tug of war that constantly goes on, this is my interpretation, I believe that it's happening in the soul because your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions live. And if we're transformed, why do we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? Why? Because sanctification is a process. Because as the word of God gets poured down in you, you become more like him. Sure, he's set you apart. He's made you holy. But he's in the business of transforming you right here. You wouldn't need transformation of the mind if God didn't put, if God, if God, let's see. You wouldn't need transformation in your mind if God didn't say you needed it. You needed it. That's why he said it. So I believe that this massive tug of war that's happening from the flesh of the spirit is all being taken place right here. Sanctification is powerful because he sanctified us according to the scripture we just read. What, what did we say? He sanctified you in the spirit? He sanctified you in the soul? Sanctification is not about you being perfect. It's about him being perfect. Some people declare that when they're saved because of what Jesus did, they never sin again. That's not true. Sanctification is a process. Let's talk about sanctification in the body. Well, we just talked about it a minute ago. Sanctification in the body, that's going to happen the day that you enter eternity with Jesus. He's going to sanctify you spirit, soul, and body and he's going to do it completely all the way. He's not going to leave anything out when he sanctifies you. Aren't you thankful for that? God is, as the worship team is coming up right now. God is. What is he? Well, God is your healer. Who he is is revealed to you in his name. God is your sanctifier. Because of him, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, because of him, The next thing you note, sanctification is a person. Sanctification is a process, and sanctification is also a person. Check this out. Because of him, Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. How are you in him? Through salvation. Who became for us, in other words, became for us. He had to do this for us because we couldn't do it on our own. He became for us. Wisdom from God. Anytime you get a little wise thought in your mind, God is what? He's wisdom. God, I thank you for that wise word. Because God is wise. And because God is wise, and wise, and I have everything through the inheritance, I'm wise. I thank you for that, God, but it's actually yours. Thank you that you use me. I thank you, God, that you're righteous. And I thank you, God, that you are sanctification. Sanctification as a person. And his name is Jesus. And through the inheritance that God has given the local church because of salvation, you have received everything from him. Is this good news? Is this freeing? My spirit is perfectly united to the body of Christ. And because of that, I'm sanctified. My soul is being perfected through the process of sanctification. My body will be transformed when I'm present with Christ in heaven. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful? 